and we are back with another week, another episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast. This time, our special one-year anniversary episode. Hey, I'm here. My name's Ruben. And I'm Pedro. And I'm Jason. And this is Season 2, Episode 31, one-year anniversary, guys. I can't believe it's already been this long. I know, it does not feel like it at all. Yeah, it feels like maybe like, what, six months into it? Yeah. It really doesn't feel like like the first two months. You're cutting out, Jason. It really doesn't feel like it to me, considering two months. Oh yeah, considering he's only been on it for two months. Ah, okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) The, The Jason Renaissance is what we call this era of the podcast. <laughs> Instead of hey. Return of the Mac, it's Day. Glad to be here for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got we got a pretty good show lined up for today. Also, this is the uh, the long-awaited Chipotle gift card giveaway <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate the one year of the podcast. We'll be giving away two Chipotle gift cards, so you got two chances. Uh, it'll be scattered around the podcast, so you got to listen to the whole thing. There's going to be very specific instructions on what to do to claim the Chipotle gift card. So stay tuned for that, and uh, you can treat yourself to some lunch, maybe. Treat yourself. Express yourself. Can I enter? No. Sure. You're not going to win, but you can enter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like Pedro's answer. Ruben, you're a dick. <laughs> hey. Tough love. I mean, that's uh, how we roll. That's how we roll. But uh, anyone want to take the first gander at our sections today? Um, I'm good with going wherever, sir. You let me know. Um, I mean, I can just to shake it up. I haven't started it yet. I can start it up because I don't have really a very long section. Yes, Jason, take it away. All right. So then getting right into it, my first bit of news that I have is the YouTuber Leafy is here was banned from YouTube, like completely removed, like no chance. Bye bye. All of his videos are gone. You can't find them anymore. Spicy stuff. I heard about this one. Yeah, this comes after a series of videos. It was more than 10, if I remember right. It was more than 10 videos that he had posted all basically milking the whole Pokemane situation that was going on. And YouTube took this as... One second, I have it right here. I think uh, it was going for multiple that. or severe violations of YouTube's policy prohibiting content designed to harass, bully, or threatened. Oof. What, what was that, Pedro? It sounds like you had the count. Yeah, the, I think the official count was 12. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he had 12 videos specifically on that. And I mean, at that point, regardless of what said, I guess that could be targeted content, like harassing content. So that there were consequences. I'm not surprised. I do feel like maybe it was a bit extreme to do so quickly. Um. Like, it's just all of a sudden they just dumped this ban on him, and he's even reached out to YouTube through Twitter. And uh, 
is seeing if there's any way that he can get his channel reinstated. So it's definitely something that you know at least bothered him a little bit if he's reaching out to try and get it reinstated. He's not just all whatever about it. Um, but other creators have weighed in on the situation. You've got plenty of people that are happy he's gone, but you've got plenty of other creators as well that are on the other side of the coin who feel like it's going to set some kind of precedent of they can just do away with you whenever they feel like they need to. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's really setting a precedent. I mean, again, 12 videos is kind of a lot, but I do feel like just a complete ban maybe was a bit much. What do you guys think? Uh, I really like the take that uh, that Critical had in his video explaining the situation. Uh, basically, the way he explains it is that he is personally not a fan of Leafy's content. He kind of agrees with the notion that it's, you know, targeting people in a malicious mm -hmm. manner. Uh but uh, the way that YouTube handled it was very poor because this entire thing is, you know, this entire 12 video series that Levy made targeting Pokemane, yes, it's very extreme, especially when you consider the rest of Leafy's content, where it's just like, you know, one video or two videos about someone or some drama that happened. Um, uh, but 12 videos on, on Pokemon on Pokemane, of course, was, you know, targeting <laughs> her specifically. Um, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the way that Critical voiced it was that in this particular instance, like, YouTube should have issued a strike against Leafy's channel because this is one instance right. of targeting and harassment uh, instead of, you know, instead of listing... 12 instances... Yes, precisely, precisely. And so I'm kind of in that same boat too. You know, you know, no one should be harassed, especially on the internet, or especially celebrities over the internet, or small celebrities. In the case of Pokimane, um, but in fairness to the rest of, you know, the content creators out there, the instance of this happening to Leafy's channel really, you know, can set the stage as to how, uh, you know, bans are handled by YouTube with other creators that are in similar situations or, or situations that almost resemble that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's really scary that YouTube has the power to just take away people's YouTube channels like that. So uh, and that's one of the other things too, that, that was kind of worrying some creators about this is there was just this huge recent drama in the beauty community where people were trying to get each other canceled. They actually were doing false allegations. They actually did, you know, they, it, it, sure, it's not like end of the world illegal, but like accusing somebody of something they didn't do with the intention of ruining their career is a crime, and nobody got banned for that. It just kind of all got swept under the rug in the end. So other YouTubers are also maybe not seeing it as like we can do whatever we want, but just maybe as a reminder even from YouTube that the commentary community itself really isn't isn't safe anymore because you can't really just say what you want about anybody it without somebody having a problem with it true so it's interesting to see how this is gonna unfold i mean personally i'm in the camp of i do hope leafy gets his channel back i'm not the biggest fan of leafy but i do get a laugh out of some of his content i do enjoy watching now and then so it's it's just again i do feel that he just kind of instant ban was extreme it's yeah i mean he's he's a popular content creator for a reason right so we just hate to see this kind of 
uh, thing happen all of a sudden from a person in power. The, re the reason I think it's kind of whack is because um, I don't really watch Leafy's videos either, so I couldn't. I don't want to say he's in the right or wrong, but what about like the popular? No, he's definitely an asshole. <laughs> what about like the popular YouTubers who literally that's their content, like um, Keemstar, example? <laughs> well, that, that's that's a lot of what that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is 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 that kind of commentary? Yeah, Keemstar is more of a, a quote unquote news channel, but that's what a lot of like the commentary channels that I watch are: Optimus, Diesel Patches, uh, some ordinary gamers. They just they kind of make jokes. They bring they talk about a lot of stuff that's kind of going on in pop culture. And this is kind of one of those reminders to them, or I guess this kind of message to them that really nobody is safe. Scary. Spooky boy. <laughs> Very spooky. So it's, it's again, it's, it's gonna be interesting. Um, but, but yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, any last thoughts on that, guys? I know I, I kind of cut you off. I didn't mean to, Ruben. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. But um, if there's no other thoughts on that, then just a quick update. It's not something I believe we had touched on on here, and if we did, it was very brief. Um, but a, a another content creator that I, I watch now and then, not as much as I used to, but uh, Matthew Santoro recently had an issue with a moving company. He was moving, I believe it was between cities, and a truck with his belongings had just disappeared. They called to tell him that it was just gone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Things don't just disappear, man. Yeah, he kind of, and, and from the beginning, he kind of had this feeling of something wasn't right. Um, so, so here we go from, you know, he received the call that his belongings were stolen. So later on, he received a call that the truck had been found, and they thought that everything was, was there, that nothing really had been missing, because there was only one box that had been opened, like... Just one specific box in the truck had been opened, and it was a fairly easy to get to, in a fairly easy to get to place. Now, this box also happened to be holding some of his most expensive belongings, one of his recording cameras. Um, it's a. Uh, it's, it's just personal belongings type things. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head everything that it was, but he him, himself was saying you know, it was upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. So he has lawyers and police involved, and the company itself is being investigated. He says that they do believe it was an inside job. That doesn't necessarily mean that the company was involved. Could have just been the drivers, but it's like essentially what they had done was pack the shit into the box, what they wanted into this one box, set it where it would be easy to get to into the truck, grab what they wanted, take off with that, and then leave the rest of it to be found at a later date. Okay. Not only after all of this, the company themselves um, issued a refund to him. They offered to, they offered to issue a refund to him, which he accepted. And I, I guess without knowing that by accepting that refund that the company gave, they've, basically absolved themselves of any responsibility uh... and that's the last update that there is they're still going through the illegal filings that's pretty whack that's
that's whack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's one of the perks of not having as much money as these people is that you just got to move yourself from place to place. It's up to you if you lose any of your stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and this is he ha he didn't give the name, but this is a company I guess that when he was moving they quoted him at thirteen hundred dollars, and then bumped him all the way up to. I believe it was ten thousand dollars. If it wasn't, it was nine, and he was able to talk them down to eight. Wow, I would I would have not. <laughs> them. It's right from there. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's really not much going else going on right now. The leafy ban is the big news all over my YouTube feed, so I'm gonna go ahead and hand it off to whoever wants to take over. Cool, cool. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, with the tech section here, um, but uh, uh, this is a good time to announce uh, the number one Chipotle gift card here, how to reclaim the gift card. So um, the the first person to uh, post on the Let's Talk About It Facebook page, Done. quote, I have smelly feet, gets the first Chipotle gift card. <laughs> Okay, so let me reiterate that. You have to go on the Let's Talk About It Facebook page and post on the wall of the Facebook page, I have smelly feet. That's it. And you'll get a gift card. First person to do that gets Chipotle gift card number one. So, <laughs> and I'm deleting your post, Jason. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll spam it. Like, like I'm getting my, my Chipotle. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, without, with, uh, with that out of the way here straight into the tech section. Lots of exciting stuff has happened within the last three weeks, but I'm not going to cover any of it. I'm going to cover some really boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> why? Because it's my section. I can cover what I want. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, there's this... Uh, this is uh, something that was reported on August 18th of 2020 that uh, apparently bots have been claiming most of the winnings of the T-Mobile Tuesday giveaway contest. So... Uh, this was actually discovered because, uh, in case you guys didn't know, uh, certain giveaways for T-Mobile Tuesdays are not T-Mobile customer exclusives. So anyone can enter as long as you're a resident of the United States uh, and, uh, you know, just register like any other giveaway there. So those giveaways sometimes include gift cards or, you know, little gadgets and gizmos or in the rare occasions uh, like vacations. So um, I believe it's anything that's like a free prize. So yeah, they have to open up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, legally in the United States. So that's just a law thing. But uh, one user noted that since the starting of the program in 2018, there had been 24 Chad's Fords winners uh, out of 37,000 total residents. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is specifically a, a tiny township in Pennsylvania. It's called Chad's Ford. So. Uh, so uh, out of 37,000 residents of the town, 24, quote unquote, of them were winners. Uh, comparing that to other numbers there, uh, 14 New York winners won out of 8.3 million residents, 25 LA winners uh, out of 4 million residents, and 22 Chicago winners out of 2.7 million residents. So the ratios are off there, of course. Um, but in one May sweepstakes, uh, uh, which put nearly 100 $100 gift cards up for grabs. A full 15 of those 100 cards uh, were claimed by winners from uh, Chad's Ford, uh, Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> um, but uh, basically, T-Mobile came out and outed this news. They confirmed to CNBC 
that uh, the high number of Chad Sports winners was related to bots submitting multiple entries. So um, they also noted that the, that the bots accounted for a relatively small amount of the actual prize money that they put out there. So uh, the impact was minimal, but there is an impact nonetheless. So, uh, you know, the this is a funny reminder about how easily, uh, you know, tech can work against us <laughs> and uh, can take our giveaways away from us. So uh, Percy NBC, uh, the amateur hacker, could easily, uh, you know, deploy bots to populate the fields and T-Mobile's entry forms online uh, and can use, you know, empty or dead addresses uh, in that uh, Pennsylvania township. So um, that's just a reminder that tools like this are pretty available to everyone. So <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen with the Chipotle gift cards today, though. Or at least I hope they won't. Unless you build a bot to listen to the podcast and look for keywords. But I don't think any of our four listeners are going to do that. <laughs> you, know what, you know what saying that reminded me of? What? I want, I want someone to to force one of those bots to listen to our podcast and write an episode. <laughs> a bot, a bot be. 50 hours of the Let's Talk About It podcast and wrote its own Here are the results. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Uh, but moving on from the bot story here, uh, TikTok confirms it will sue the Trump administration. So... Uh, TikTok confirmed uh, not too long ago, uh, actually just yesterday on the 22nd of August, that uh, it will file a lawsuit against the Trump administration over an executive order demanding parent company ByteDance divest its TikTok operations in the United States. It's the first time the company has confirmed it will pursue legal action, a move that has been rumored for several weeks now, if you guys remember when we first talked about this. Uh, you know that was all the buzz there. Uh, but uh, reports of the official lawsuit began kind of bubbling to the surface on Friday. And so it was just kind of, you know, a matter of time before it was like an official thing. Um, uh, even though we strongly disagree with the administration's concerns for nearly a year, we have sought to engage in good faith to provide a constructive solution, said TikTok spokesman Josh Gartner. Uh, and he said that specifically to The Verge there. So. Uh, he also said, uh, what we encountered instead was a lack of due process as the administration paid no attention to facts and tried to insert itself into negotiations between private businesses. Hmm, sounds familiar. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of to give some background information on people who haven't listened to our last few episodes, uh, President Trump signed an executive order uh, on August 6th. Yeah, that's the timeline. August 6th, uh, blocking all transactions with ByteDance in an effort to, quote-unquote, address the national emergency with respect to the information and communication technology supply chain. So um, this particular order uh, invoked the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and National Emergencies Act. So actual things put in place that the president can kind of, you know, wave his hand at and, you know, put into effect. Um, originally, the order was uh, to take effect in 45 days. Uh, but on August 14th, the president signed another executive order, this time giving TikTok's parent company, uh, uh, I believe, up to 90 days to sell or spin off TikTok in the U.S. So, uh, you know, doubling the time period there. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, in that situation, if I were TikTok, I'd take it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, this whole TikTok being banned in the U.S. thing is not without warrant. Uh, TikTok has been collecting, you know, certain data from users. 
specifically with Android phones, has been collecting you know device specific uh, you know information there. So that's a little scary. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, the due process is part of the American governmental judicial system. So if it's not following it, then that's also even more of a concern to us as, as citizens, I'd say. But um, no updates on whether Microsoft is going to actually purchase TikTok, by the way. That was, uh, you know, <laughs> that was something that was bubbling uh, not too long ago. But we'll see where this goes. Uh, in other news here, uh, this is a technically really really old story but it just came to uh to light here within the last week or so uh but apparently in 2005 there was a super secret project going on in between uh between the u.s government uh and apple uh and this was happening without steve jobs knowing but uh the u.s government teamed up with two engineers at apple to create a secret spy ipod so uh, <laughs> uh this is uh this is actually really cool because actually today to this day no one knows exactly what this secret iPod does but um the story comes from you know a former uh, you know Apple engineer here and it was actually confirmed by uh Tony uh, Fadell who was uh who was the the former iPod chief at Apple at the time so it's really funny the way that that the engineer uh, you know tells tells the story. It starts off with a novel, and I'll read the first part of it here just because it's really entertaining. Um, but it, uh, it's he starts his statement with, uh, "It was a gray day in late 2005. I was <laughs> sitting at my desk writing code for the next year's iPod without knocking the director of iPod software, my boss's boss, abruptly entered and closed the door behind him. He cut to the chase. I have a special assignment for you. Your boss doesn't know about it." You will help two engineers from the U.S. Department of Energy build a special iPod. Report only to me. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, only four people in all of Apple knew about the secret project. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, the engineer, uh, the director of iPod software, the vice president of the iPod division, and the senior vice president of hardware. So uh, none of them still work at Apple, mind you. Uh, there was no paper trail of this project ever happening, and all communication was in person. So no text, no letters, no nothing, nothing, without a trace, which is pretty cool. Um, as far as what the device actually was, uh, apparently the directive from the U.S. government was uh, that they wanted to add some custom hardware to an iPod and record data from this custom hardware onto the iPod's disk in a way that couldn't easily detect it. And the iPod still had to function and look like a normal iPod. So uh, some espionage-grade stuff going on here. Um, of course, you know, they didn't get exactly to see the finished product. So like I mentioned earlier, no one knows what this, you know, the special iPod did. Um, but, uh, you know, for secret stuff, I assume, they assumed that it was like a, a Geiger counter or something like that. So, uh, you know, it was meant to... Uh, you know, detect something, what we don't know, but that's all we got on it. Um, the uh, the former iPod chief Tony Fidel that I mentioned earlier, um, he he confirmed this on Twitter. He said uh, he said absolutely spot on, David, the guy who you know reported the story. The project was real without a doubt. Uh, there was uh, he said that there was a whole surreal drama and interesting story about how this project was kicked off and then kept secret. So <laughs> uh, now we know something that happened about 15 years ago that uh, 
who knows maybe on maybe it'll pop up on ebay if it does i'm I'll, i'm gonna buy it just saying so <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so secret ipod in the makings there uh next story here is actually some recent news so uh a new 5g blackberry phone with android and a physical keyboard will arrive in 2021 so uh I really liked the last Blackberries that came out here recently. Right recently, I mean like three years ago, something like that. But (laughs) um, a new Texas startup company named Onward Mobility uh, has purchased the rights to the Blackberry moniker. They're going to use it to release a 5G Blackberry device uh, that runs Android and a physical QWERTY keyboard in 2021. Uh, Other than that, we don't really know anything else besides the, you know, anything besides... anything else of the device like uh you know the phone dimensions or the specs or anything like that um but uh we do know that onward mobility is going to move forward with the strong points of what blackberry was used to you know known to be which uh is that physical keyboard there is that enterprise level security suite that's included in all blackberry phones um and so uh their their new model or their new motto for this is be invincible so uh we're gonna have to wait and see now keep in mind that this company onward mobility they are the third company to take the blackberry name under their wing the first one was research in motion rim uh, which was the original owners of blackberry who then sold it off to tcl which is a chinese uh phone manufacturing company uh and that was in 2013 so they released a couple of uh different blackberry phones during the tcl era uh such as the blackberry priv uh which were you know met with lukewarm reception there i thought they were awesome devices but they were definitely overpriced uh just because they were one of a kind uh but uh now tcl has sold it on to uh this american company called onward mobility so uh, props to them. I hope they do the BlackBerry name well, because I think the BlackBerry name could do very well in the Android market, but no one has done it right, so to speak. So, uh, I would really like a phone with a decent size screen and a QWERTY keyboard, uh, as long as you know the price is right and the camera is okay. Uh, I think it'd be really cool to have in the market again, because no one's really been able to do it since then. Uh, one last little tech story here for you guys. This may bring up a name that may have been collecting dust in the back of your names here for a while, but uh, Toshiba is officially out of the laptop business. So <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a Toshiba laptop. However, back in the day, back in the mid-2000s, they were making some pretty solid hardware. They had some really good-feeling laptops, and I remember because I'd have to sample you know, laptops here and there to make recommendations for friends. And I always like Toshiba hardware. They just use good materials where it mattered on all of their devices. But uh, the officiality of them being out of the laptop business comes from them selling uh, its remaining shares of its PC business to, get this, Sharp, another uh, electronics company that is probably gathering dust in the back of your minds too, <laughs> except their TVs. Um, but uh, yeah, two years ago, Toshiba sold an 80.1% stake of its PC business to Sharp for a measly $36 million, uh, and Sharp renamed the division Dynabook. So uh, Sharp exercised its rights to buy the remaining 19.1% of shares back in June, and Toshiba released a statement on August 4th that the deal was completed. So uh, they said, quote, 
As a result of this transfer, Dynabook has become a wholly owned subsidiary of Sharp. So uh, that is uh, the end of Toshiba in the laptop space there, unless uh, Sharp sells it back to them for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, some history on Toshiba. The company made the first PC laptop in 1985. The T1100 had an get this guys an internal rechargeable battery a 3.5 inch floppy drive and 256 uh k of memory so <laughs> um they definitely have some history and they have some they had some good times there in the laptop market uh and uh even in the early 1990s and all the way up into the 2000s toshiba was among the top pc manufacturers but uh, of course the space got more crowded and more competitive and they just kind of settled back and let the market overtake them so uh toshiba's share of the pc market had dwindled from its 2011 peak of 17.7 million pcs to about 1.4 million in 2017 so uh the end of an era to a electronics uh, manufacturing pioneer so i bid thee farewell toshiba i'll play taps on my harmonica here for you just kidding i wish i could but uh, <laughs> that is all I have to say for the tech section today. Alrighty, well then I will be next to take it away, sir. <clears throat> Alright, well, first up we got a lot, a big, one big story, which I'm sure you guys have, even if not following, that you've heard of, and that is Epic's epic battle against Apple this past week and a half. Um... I know Jason is somewhat aware. Are you aware of what is what is happening, Pedro? Uh, only in the slightest, to be honest. So, basically, what happened is, to start it all off, Epic basically did a thing with Fortnite to where they were like, we're tired of the app marketplace is taking 30%. So what we're going to do is add another way to pay in the game that you'll basically get your V-Bucks, which is their in-game currency that you use to like buy battle passes and stuff, mm -hmm. where they'll sell you um, the 1,000 V-Bucks for $8 instead of $10. <coughs> Ooh, and the reason they did this is basically because, um, like I said, they wanted they're they're tired of Apple and Google taking thirty percent from everything and they, they want like a better marketplace for everyone. And basically what happened is when they did this, Apple and Google both took them off the marketplace. Ooh, okay. To where gotcha. you, to where you can't get Fortnite. If you still have it, you can still have it until the next update comes out, but after that it it won't be playable on iPhones anymore or any Apple products. Um, however, they're going more. They're going even though they are suing both. They're going more for Apple because Google still allows third-party app software. So like, even though it's not ideal, you can still get APKs and stuff on Google phone or on Android phones, mm -hmm. and you can't on Apple. Yeah. So basically this whole thing happened and now Epic is suing Apple over m monopolistic practices. Ooh. And they're basically saying that um they they figured that this would happen so they created an 
like an in-game video talking about how Apple used to like be good guys standing up against the bad guys, but basically that they've become what they used to seek to basically like destroy. <laughs> Obi-Wan style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and basically Epic is bringing the suit to end Apple's unfair and anti-competitive actions that Apple undertakes to unlawfully maintain its monopoly in two distinct multi-billion dollar markets the iOS app distribution market and the iOS in-app payment processing market, the lawsuit says. Um, I'm so glad they're doing it, by the way. Yes, that's <laughs> that's one thing that I was going to ask, is how happy are you that someone's finally standing up to Apple? But uh, uh, So happy. Epic is not seeking monetary compensation from this court for the injuries it has suffered, nor is Epic seeking favorable treatment for itself, a single company. Instead, Epic is seeking injunctive relief to allow fair competition in these two key markets that directly affect hundreds of millions of consumers and tens of thousands if not more uh third-party app developers yes epic please um, the lawsuit also makes it clear that in case there was any doubt that epic started this fight with a purpose it specifically references apple's removal of fortnite from the apple store in response to the new payment system Rather than tolerate this healthy competition and compete on the merit of its offering, Apple responded by removing Fortnite from sale on the App Store, which means that new users cannot download the app, and users who have already downloaded prior versions of the app from the App Store cannot update to the latest version. This also means that Fortnite players who downloaded their app from the App Store will not receive updates to Fortnite through the App Store, either automatically or by searching the App Store for the update. Apple's removal of Fortnite is yet another example of Apple flexing its enormous power in order to impose unreasonable restraints and un unlawfully maintain its 100% monopoly over the iOS in-app payment processing market. Dang. Okay. So, hear me out, guys. This is going to be Flappy Bird all over again. We're going to see phones on eBay going for $700 because they have on an old batch of Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The only reason I don't think that would happen is even if you have an old batch of Fortnite, once the new batch comes out, like you're not going to be able to log in or play or anything. Yeah, very true. But that's Epic's fault at that time. So, a little bit to play devil's advocate here, but I kind of also don't disagree with what Apple's doing. Just out of curiosity, why? If you want to put your game on my marketplace, you're going to give me a cut of it. You don't want to do that? All right, well, I don't want it on my marketplace. Sure, maybe I'm hurting my consumers, but I'm also not wrong but for see, doing what I want see, with my product. But see, that's also, that's also why exactly they're suing is because no, yeah, in, I, in that frame, it's see, a monopoly, and a monopoly is a Here's a little bit of more detail that actually just came out today on it though. And again, it's it's not that I disagree. I'm honestly indifferent on the whole thing. I really don't care which way it goes. Um, but it does turn out that Epic had already approached Apple and tried to get a reduced cut on that 30%. And Apple is just basically like, well, no, everybody gets the 30%. And then that's when Epic decided to find a way around the terms of service that yeah, they agreed also, to also that that actually came out not to, that actually came out a couple of days ago and it wasn't yeah. just 30 percent for epic epic actually stated in the letter that it was for everyone right now 
again, it's still at the end of the day does kind of come back to like, well, I will stick with my loyal, my, my loyal customers will stick with me if they really want to. And you're going to do what I want on my product. So sure. Consumer wise, bad for the consumer. Yes, they're in the wrong. This, however, wouldn't be an issue if Apple allowed third party apps on their thing. Yeah, but they don't need to. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, that's owning a monopoly. <laughs> so not so not necessarily. If there there is, are other there are there, there are other ways of getting apps on your phone. It's just if you want to stay within their iOS and within their walled garden setup, essentially, you have to play by their rules. It's the same thing as disabling or enabling unknown sources on an Android phone. Is like, well, yeah, you can do it, but we're not going to take responsibility for it. Yeah, There's plenty of third third party marketplaces. Apple, Apple does not allow you to do that. If you do that, you are breaking their whole terms of service and in fact going in and actually modifying the phone whereas on Android you, you it's just a simple option. See, but it, there's nothing illegal with modifying your own personal phone. They just don't ever have to let you back in their marketplace. Well, that's still monopolistic, <laughs> which justifies the lawsuit. Um, but they, especially but kind of me jumping in there, uh, that is posing quite a bit of a problem there because most of most software especially free software like comes in the phone especially in iphone's case where ios is only on iphones if you are denied any of any piece of that software service then the you know the, the device is significantly less functional than what you paid for to have the device you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so in addition to that, uh, you know, just to pull up some numbers here. Apple's, uh, you know, commission fees are ridiculous. Uh, to kind of put that into perspective here, uh, Apple charges a thirty percent fee for one-time purchases, uh, and a thirty percent uh, fee for, uh, you know, for subscription services as well. So, um, they're, you know, for for any type of purchase that's hosted on a platform like Google Play or Apple Store. Uh, there's different types of purchases that are there, right? So there's different commission fees for different types of purchases there. Um, so uh, for Apple, it's 30% for one-time uh, one purchases, just flat. Uh, in the first year of a subscription, Apple takes 30% cut of the revenue, and then you receive 70% of the subscription uh, price at each billing cycle. Uh, after a year on Apple's platform, uh, your revenue shares increase to 85% of the subscription price uh, and then Apple takes 15% of the revenue. Uh, comparing that to Google there, uh, for one-time purchases, uh, Google's share is 30% of the one-time purchases of the price and you receive 70. Uh, and then uh, for Google's, uh, you know, for Google's uh, subscriptions, it's 15% after a year, you receive 85% of the revenue after 12 months. So uh, the thing, the thing with, with that is that even though the numbers are, are comparable, between the two or even you know equal uh that uh apple uh you know apple's vetting system for their for their app store and for their applications is very much more restricted in that there's you have to jump through so many hoops to get through uh you know on you know to get your application on the uh on the app store there now 
it's kind of a flip side on Android because it's very difficult to develop an app with the compatible things that you can have on, you know, with compatible programming languages or compatible platforms or APIs for, for Android, because you have to keep in mind all the different phones that people are, are people are using and try to make an app that's compatible with all of them. Uh, but it's super easy to get published on the app store. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in Apple's uh, case, it's really easy to develop apps. A uh, 12th grade, you know, a 12 year old can do it, but you have to go through a rigorous approval process uh, with Apple to try and get your application on the app store. So uh, it's it's really interesting, you know, in this instance, because Google is also guilty of just removing Fortnite as well. Uh, so I don't know, man. And, uh, you know, of course, I have a preference in between Google and Apple. And if you don't know which one it is, you're not listening to the podcast. But uh in my eyes, get out of your Microsoft fanboys. <laughs> they're, both, they're, they're, they're both huge companies with more power than is than it is good for them, in my opinion. So anyone challenging the big guy is good in my book, whether they're right or not. And then after all of that happened, um, Apple basically also came out and said, all right, well, since you guys are doing this, um, we're also going to um, remove all of Epic's developer accounts and access to iOS and Mac development tools. Which is really, really, I think, a step too far. <laughs> oh yeah, they're punishing them as a company, for sure. Um, hold on one second real quick um, and that it would be terminated on August 28th Epic quickly sought a temporary restraining order to prevent Apple from taking these steps saying it would have a devastating impact on the company um, and basically Apple came out and said today that well, you guys started all these problems and that they would all go away immediately <laughs> if Epic would simply roll back the violating update. Boo. The bully tactic. Mm. They want to get him to back down in the name of money. Yep. And in order to raise more awareness about their cause, Epic decided to announce a free Fortnite tournament and an evil Apple skin. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, the event was held today. It ran from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., so four hours. And basically, as long as you scored 10 points, which you can score a point for being in a game for three minutes or for each kill, you would get this evil Apple skin. <laughs> and they also <laughs> held numerous other prizes, such as like laptops, gaming PCs, and other software and stuff, and hardware and stuff. Um, personally, I'm really hoping that Epic is able to win this. Me too. <laughs> Again, I, I really don't, like, I, yes, I guess I would prefer Epic to win, but really don't have a stake in it either way. I do not care. The, the only, I don't even, I don't even want them to win for them. I want them to win for all the other small, um, developers who can't afford to stand up like this true i wonder if anyone else is gonna get in on it too and uh one thing that i was trying to find in this article was basically if you guys didn't know if 
Apple cuts off all of their dev tools for them. It makes it so that literally any game on the App Store that is using, um, what is it? Where? Oh, I just had it. This wasn't it Unreal. Yeah, there you go. That uses Unreal. Will basically, <laughs> they there won't be able to be any like updates or fixes for apps that use Unreal. Because they can't sign their their codes yep. for Apple. Yep. Now, do you know, do you know any other games so, on the platform that would suffer that? I I personally don't. I'm sure there's plenty. Again, and it's it's just kind of like a little bit of me wanting to play Devil's Advocate is sure monopolistic, sure. So taking it too far, but the developers could just as easily be like, "Well, fuck you! I don't want my game on your platform." <laughs> So here's a here's a few of them. Um, obviously Fortnite, PUBG, um, Hello Neighbor. Let's see. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. So I mean, there's there's definitely some big names in here. It's not just Fortnite mm-hmm. that will suffer. But we shall see. Aside from that. Um, I got some DC news if you guys want to talk about that. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for Gotham Knights, but I did, and I am super stoked. Did either of you watch it? No. I did. All I can say is that I want to play as Robin and Red Hood. Dude, yes. (laughs) They look awesome. So, Jason, at... The DC fandom, which happened yesterday, um, they did a 24-hour stream where they were announcing new movies and games, and they revealed Gotham Knights, which is the next game from w- WB Montreal, and it stars Batman's four successors in a world where Batman is no more. Um, the characters are Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood, and basically it's going to be... It's gonna support co-op, just you and one other person. But in the in the trailer, you see quite a few of, you know, Batman's old, old enemies like Mr. Freeze. You see, and it it does a good job of showing you, like a fair amount of combat with each of them. And mm-hmm. it looks pretty good. I'm honestly super excited for it, especially considering I'm not normally a DC fan. Yeah, I'm not normally a superhero fan, but that's definitely got me interested for sure. And see, the Batman games themselves have been really good, so I'm super excited for this. It's going to release in 2021. Um, A lot of people are saying they don't really believe Batman's dead, and maybe you'll unlock him as a playable character like after you beat the story. Mm-hmm. That'd be true. <laughs> Sounds like denial to me. We'll see. We... <laughs> Um, and then another game they announced was Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. Which also interesting. Looked, it also looked pretty interesting. Um, the gameplay looked kind of silly and fun. Um, I'm not as excited for this one as Arkham Knights. Uh, Pedro, did you watch the trailer to this one or no? I the, did, yeah. I watched the cinematic trailer it, it's, for a, a Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty silly one. They're just hanging out, doing their mission, taking out a bunch of bad guys. They're basically told that they're sent to go, like, 
assassinate someone, and when yeah. they get there, they find out that it is a Superman who is being very bad. He disintegrates a man with his eyeballs. <laughs> he disintegrates a helicopter pilot that he just saved. <laughs> yeah. They're all look at him look at him coming through saving people and they're like, We're trying to we're trying to <laughs> do a job here and then he just disintegrates that dude and they're like, Oh, you're the job. <laughs> um, so that's gonna be interesting. It looks like hopefully it'll have a fair um amount of like comedic writing in it, but we'll see about that as well. Um, let's see. I believe that might be all of my news. Dang. Oh, well, we've already blitzed through all of our stories, which means we have to announce the way to win Chipotle gift card number two before we all say our exits. So, Chipotle gift card number two. To win this one, you have to message me at Pedro the Platypus on Instagram and tell me that I am a handsome boy. So... <laughs> I do that every day. I should just get that one anyways. See, well, that's why you can't get this one, Jason. You <laughs> do that every day, so it's not special. It's not celebratory, you know? Well, yeah, well, neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could have told you that. Before, before, we our, before we do our sign-offs, too, sir, um, if you want to throw them off just a little more, we can kill a little more time talking about um, our thoughts on the Avengers beta, if you'd like. Oh yeah. Uh, I have none, but Mortal Shell is dope. We'll talk about both of those. How about that? Because I've shown Sweet. interest in Mortal Shell, but I haven't picked it up or anything like that. So uh, let's talk about Avengers first, then, shall we? So I think it's really cool. The style is really nice. Uh, it reminds me of like older like Xbox 360 like you know 3D combat games. It's really hard to describe which ones I'm talking about, but like. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I liked it overall. The combat got a little stale afterwards, and I do not know why Kamala Khan was stronger than the Hulk uh, <laughs> in my experience, right? I played the game for, like, what, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, maybe? Uh, beta. But uh, overall, it's enjoyable. It looks really good. Definitely looked better than it did that initial trailer that had us all saying yikes. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, overall, it's pretty fun. I had a I had a pretty good time. Um, I definitely had some small issues with it, like the fact that there was, at least to my knowledge, I didn't find a map at any point when I wasn't paying attention to what my what what my next mission objective was. So I'm like, uh, where am I supposed to be going? Um, <laughs> but the combat's fun. It does get a little stale, but um, the best way I would describe it is a third person version of uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance the old like top down one where the moves were kind of basic and you had your your few specials um, yeah and that game had a huge roster and that was the big drawing point to Ultimate Alliance which I know this one is supposed to have a huge roster once it's like all said and done um, in the beta, it lets you play as everyone, but once once you're thrown out on your own, you can only play as Kamala Khan, Hulk, Black Widow, or Iron Man, um, which I found a little disappointing because Thor in the very opening sequence was definitely my favorite. <laughs> yeah, his attacks have a satisfying thunk with the hammer. <laughs> Um, I don't. Think I, I I experienced a few bugs where some enemies would clip through a floor, and I'd only be able to see like the top of their heads. But 
that happened like once, I think. Um, yeah. Overall, yeah. O- overall, I, I I really enjoyed it though. Yeah, yeah. So my my uh, take on the bug report for it is that uh, I had a I experienced the disappointing or that not disappointing. I mean, it was kind of disappointing, but I I experienced the disappearing abomination glitch, where uh, I was fighting the abomination as the Hulk, and you know the the intro sequence of the game for the beta. Uh, and I exploded one of those like uh, you know like arc electricity generators that does damage when you hit them. So I exploded one of those next to the abomination, and when it exploded, the abomination disappeared, and I couldn't <laughs> continue with the boss fight because it's before the you know the mid health sequence where he you know smashes you through a wall and takes you to the second stage of that boss fight. Uh, so I basically just had to exit out of the game and then go back. <laughs> so like he was just there and then he wasn't. Yeah, just bloop. <laughs> and like his health bar disappeared too. Like no signs of the boss. God. I was just stuck in the game <sighs> there. That was funny because Pedro was actually playing while I was waiting for him. So I feel like since he was trying to get through it, like he would, he just kept running into different issues. <laughs> yeah, and I kept on dying too. I was like, you definitely experienced more issues than I did for sure. <laughs> That's the only one that I remember. Uh, other than just dying to the enemies on stage. Um, that is all I have to say about that game, sir. I'm 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 looking forward to it because I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alright, Jay. Mortal Shell. What's your hot take on it? You're the Souls guy. Give us your Souls opinion. Mortal Shell has watered-down RPG elements from Souls, but a more in-depth combat system. Okay. It's... So, I mean, the the first, like, weird thing you notice is the control scheme just doesn't instantly fall into Souls, and I just found another shell that feels lighter, has more health, but also has a role, like, in Souls games, so... I'm noticing that the shells themselves have different movement, have different fighting styles, and just different stats in general. So it kind of gives you the option to switch up how you want to play without needing to respec or needing to worry about wasting points. Uh, and then, like, the weapons are really cool because instead of just finding weapons laying around or on specific enemies and hoping for weapon drops, like, you're grinding out against a boss that keeps coming back with with the weapon that you're trying to get, and once you beat that boss, you get the weapon. Ooh, okay, okay. So it, it, it's just, it's very rewarding in that sense that there, there's there, it feels like you're always reaching for some kind of goal, and I, I'm now finding out that the basically what I'm supposed to do is find the different temples in the game, beat the boss, collect the item, and then bring it back to the start, I believe, is what I need to do. So, getting into it so far, it's really fun to essentially just throw yourself at the wall and learn the patterns of the bosses. It's really satisfying. Souls is always satisfying, but it, this kind of scratches a different itch. It's for anybody, I guess, that doesn't feel too into Souls, but kind of wants that, that punishing, fast-paced gameplay at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely looked like something that, um, if you're itching for a new Souls, like, um, it definitely looked like something you'd want to pick up, especially considering it's only $30. Yeah. 
Yes, it definitely so far is worth my thirty dollars. Twenty, I got it on sale. I forgot. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so far I'm really enjoying it, and I look forward to playing the rest of it. But that's basically all my thoughts. How far into it are you? Uh, I've finished the first temple, which I, I, like, I guess I could have happened upon one of the other ones by chance, but I finished the first temple, the easiest one, and that took me probably about four or five hours just in there, just kind of exploring and getting my butt kicked by the boss. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's farther than I have in the game, which is nothing. <laughs> but, yeah, so, combat there is, is if, you, if you're used to Souls, I mean, you'll kind of have a feel for it, but it has its own quirks that, that just, because you're good at Souls, does not, I look like an idiot to myself the first time I played this. <laughs> That's a good thing, though, right? Because you don't want it to be a, a Souls clone, you want it to be, you know, variety. Right, I, I, I've not had this much fun with a game like this in forever. So that's good. Do you think, universally speaking, if you enjoy uh, Souls, you'll enjoy this game by default? I think if you enjoy Souls, it's worth checking out. When it was, I don't, I couldn't tell you how much it's changed since beta because when it was in beta, I played it once, and then when Ruben was talking about it, I thought he was talking about the beta still. I didn't know that it had released. So, just at first glance, I kind of felt a little turned off, just because it wasn't necessarily Souls and it was different, but I figured I'd give it a try again, and I, I, I keep finding myself just getting lost in it. So, like, it's, so, it may not be the exact same, but it may, it has a really good chance of scratching that image. Right. Heard. That's fair enough. It scratches the edge more than Sekido did. Really? Yeah. Bold statement. I like it. And I, I don't think so. Sekido scratches more of a Bloodborne itch. Play Bloodborne, Ruben, you'll see what I mean. Come on, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, that basically everything. Anybody else? Or does anybody want to take it away with the outro? Alrighty, well, it's been real. Thanks for joining us for our one-year anniversary of the podcast. Yes, one year, and hopefully many more to come here with the episodes. We've been skimping on the last couple weeks of episodes, but that's okay. We have we had this one planned. And Chipotle giveaway, finally, so you can't hold me to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Alrighty, well, thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.